Now, broadcasting on StarWorldWideNetworks.com. It's time for Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Let's tap into your own authentic genius and live the life you desire. Join Dr. Rademacher for an enlightened conversation about our brain intelligence, our body intelligence, and our energy intelligence. And now, here's your host, Dr. Bart Rademacher. I'm Dr. Bart Rademacher, and this is Prescription for Your Transformation. Real people, real conversations, and real success. And I was debating whether I was going to wear a black shirt tonight just to be in the spirit of today, Halloween, the Day of the Dead, um, because that re- relates to a very special topic that for some of us is kind of scary, but for, other us, for others, it's really that sense of purpose and beingness in this world. For some... Death is rebirth. And so attaching our consciousness to that understanding of our life today, but what about our past lives? What about that? How does that fit in in the dynamics of our existence today? And one of the things that we can really relate to if we choose, if we have that kind of awareness, is our purpose in life. And what I do find is that a lot of people – really don't understand what that purpose is for them. And so if we look into our past, our ancestors, maybe we can get some answers. Whether you believe in that or not, it really doesn't matter. But you're showing up in this world today, and you can get some answers as to how the evolution evolves for you. Whether you believe in what we talk about today or not, it's still relevant for you. And so I'm super excited to uh, talking to an intuitive coach. Again, there's so much value in listening to people like Shara Ogan. And, of course, my producer is also an intuitive coach. And she's not down there. She's not seen, but she's heard maybe today. Who knows? But I really want to welcome Shara today because the, the, uh, the incredible insights and superpowers, as I like to put it, I think, as she does as well, of her abilities to help you transform your lives. Shara, welcome to today. Thank you very much. Well, we're going to get in topics today. We're going to be talking about past lives. We're going to be talking about ancestral healing, and we'll be talking about the root of where both emotional and physical pain comes from. But before I get deep and heavy. I, I'm going to start really light, just telling you a little bit about myself and how I got into this work. Um, sort of like most people on their path, the, the, the path kind of found me rather, rather than me finding it. I was on a journey of, I did, let's say, 20 years of uh, self-actualization kind of work in my 20s and my 30s. But still, even at the end of my 30s, I felt very unfulfilled and very unsatisfied in a lot of ways. And honestly, there were certain things that really just didn't make sense because I came from very loving parents and a very supportive home. And I felt so much self-doubt. I was consumed with self-doubt and always feeling like other people were better than me. And one of the other things that really didn't make sense at that time was I had never had a boyfriend at the age of 40. And at that time, I was very ashamed and embarrassed to, to admit that. But you know, now I feel... Um, 
it actually draws uh, the people to me who actually are looking for love and the right clientele. So I just want to share that, you know, I, I, my journey to get to where I am wasn't an easy one. I uh, had a lot of shame and um, things that things like psychologists working with psychologists. And I had done several years of coaching. I worked with coaches and still I was so um, at this plateau of life unfulfillment. And so my deep, my deepest transformation started when I, um, happened after I started to do do a spiritual spiritual work and started to heal family system and realized that a lot of my pain was actually pain that was passed on to me through ancestral stuff and we're going to get more into what I'm talking about because right now I don't expect this to make sense. Um, just when I work with people as an intuitive coach, I have learned that there's many. You have to actually hit patterns that are going on in your life, and you know by the time we're adult we probably are living the same patterns that we've been living since we were four and the same belief systems. And so in order to really recover from those, it takes both talking about it out loud. So that's with a psychologist or a coach and really addressing tools to see it at different angles and to understand it. Um, a lot of uh, co coaches, coaching is great to help uh, the person to see the role that they're playing and to maybe take responsibility and to get to the other side. But also there's this whole other uh, past life. Like I feel like a lot of the things that we're dealing with in this life is actually karmic patterns. And by that, I mean things we've been dealing with life after life after life. And we're actually put onto this life to get through it or to evolve it or to get a deeper and greater understanding of it. And then uh, with that angle, just by seeing it and understanding where this pattern came from, from the past life perspective, there's like just instant healing that could happen. And then the other angle that's really important for deep pattern change is, well, I'm going to say two things, is um, ancestral patterns. And I, I want to get really deep into this because it will just blow your mind how uh, we're carrying bits and pieces of things that have been going on through the generations. And then the third is we want to work with uh, practitioners or people who could help us to change our neurology. So by neurology, that means our physiological way that we move, the way that we think, like just the whole pattern of who we are. And by the way, I will just say that when I graduated from college, I was very unhappy and I studied all the time and my posture was like this and my head was like this. And you would say like, wow, that woman's really unhappy comfortable with herself and really like my whole my whole bone structure my whole face structure actually started to change and my my body turned into an hourglass figure as soon as I started moving my energy and moving my light just everything on the physical emotional and spiritual level changed you know I, I love what you're saying with that because you know all my life has been dedicated to helping people transform their lives first and primarily as a physician, but then as a plastic surgeon. And what's interesting and fascinating for me, I've evolved into much more than that as a coach and mm -hmm. as an intuitive, not at the level that you work at, but certainly realizing and, and, and bringing in all these different modalities. And what's fascinating to me, when I heard your story and how you were able to transform you know, your life not only mentally, emotionally, spiritually, but physically. I mean, that's, that's huge, and that's amazing. And so what that tells me is that with a little bit of help, with a little bit of guidance from especially people like yourself, 
who are willing to expand their horizons for others in ways that are outside of the regular patterns, as you call it, and giving people access to ideas and possibilities that can totally transform their life. And just as a little nitbit for me, you know, I, I met this incredible intuitive, you know, recently, well, not recently, but quite some time ago, mm-hmm. really laid out some major things that were going to happen in my life. Mm. And so it was a matter of, great, that's awesome. Let me embrace that. And all that is coming, you know, to fruition. And wow. so I think your abilities, your superpower, as we, we like to talk about it, is then to help people tap into that. So let me ask you this. How do you start? So you, how do people typically come to you? You know, what do they normally say? And let's, let's, let's start off with the person who has the awareness of, of our ancestors and past lives. But then let's also go to those people who don't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Each person, it's a little bit different. How each person finds me, whether it's a referral off Yelp, off of Burning Man, or hearing me talk. I do a lot of public speaking, which is how people find me. Um, and then when each person comes to me, so what I do is an intake. I do a uh, uh, let's uh, free consultation. And they tell me what's up. They tell me how they're struggling, what they think the blocks are. And then I give them my insight about what's really going on. And usually when I'm done with that, their mouth drops. And they're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I usually say before I start, I say, is there anything else you want to tell me? And they say, no, that's about it. And then their mouth drops and they're like, wow, you know, I'll tell them where their energy stuck in their body. And I'll tell them like specific patterns um, about uh, whether they're having a hard time receiving. And this is causing a block on uh, having a relationship and all whatever their issue. I'll tell them all the blocks that they're having. Not all of them. We'll just name a few on the and the, on the intake um, call. And then after that, uh, well, after we, if we start to work together, I often you know, I, I have different ways that I work with people, let's just say, but the first time I usually do a growth cycle reading, which is where I do a psychic reading and we go deeper into what's going on. Uh, we, we do a past life uh, regression or past life uh, reading where we get information specifically from one past life and how it's informing this life. So yeah, I work with people mostly in packages because it's kind of a, a pro- progression you know, like let's like let's just say people come to me for something big, like love or a career change, and usually I'm like, well, that's not the first thing we're going to work on because when you want to manifest what you want, you want to be your highest and best self. Like when you want to manifest your ideal job or your ideal lover, uh, you want to or your ideal uh, egg or sperm if you're trying to have a child. Let's say you want to be your highest and best self. So my my work is to see what's blocking that from happening and then to get you there. Now, the ancestral work, which is what we're going to talk about in a bit, the, um, is something that I don't typically start with. It's really kind of heavy. Or sometimes people just come to me for a one-off, which is, which is fine. Um, and I work with people in a few different ways. I, I do a past life regression sort of session, which is where they get the information. And like I said, it's any kind of healing work has got to be a collaboration between the, um, well, for my kind of work, uh, between me doing the actually energy healing and then getting their own insight and then learning and interpreting and um, absorbing that metabolizing the information that I give. The thing about working with an intuitive is um, as opposed to um, other practitioners I've worked with is there's a limitation in how much a person can actually remember because, you know, the root of all of our, let's say limiting beliefs. I mean, the reason why you don't have anything you want, I guarantee is because there's a limiting belief in the way. 
This could be a family system belief that's been passed on, but, or it could come from just something you picked up as a child, like mommy doesn't love me. I'm unlovable. Something like that, you know? However, most people cannot remember the root of that. And so that is one of my superpowers is I could actually go in and find the root. And then I'm like, there it is. I see a picture. And then, um, I have a whole bunch of magic trips because I have all, like years of training and different, you know, <laughs> three years of two years of coaching training and 10 years of helping out with um, right. intuitive. So the where I go from there, I see it kind of like doors. Okay. There's this door that's open in this door. And then I'm like, this is priority. Let's look at this. And then we'll go down a certain doorway and do some healing. So how does that show up for you? Is it kind of images or just thoughts or feelings? Yeah, or so when I'm doing psychic readings, I shut my eyes, I put my psychic screen up, and then I uh, – sometimes it's in symbols and sometimes it's real. And it's often easier to look at something that's like one step off, like a past life, you know, rather than just look at the person directly. And also it's also easier for the person to receive the information and to hear that, right. oh, this was my past life, and then they could gather the information, how it relates to – I, I was – Tell them how this is playing out in their current life, but then they could also gather the other information as well. You know, what's interesting, and, and, you know, being a scientist as well, and so a lot of people who are either scientists uh, or not even scientists, um, but uh, cynics in, in this kind of arena, you know, we can help them with when we give them some sort of explanation. Yeah. And so for me, for example, when I look at credible beings like Einstein, you know, they believed in all this stuff. They understood all these things, you know, even though they're very yeah. much involved with, you know, developing the, the scientific process to prove stuff, you know, what, what they couldn't prove, they also believed. In fact, you know, that was, you know, Einstein's process. He would actually think of something and then find a way to prove it. Mm. And so what I like about, you know, the way that I try to explain to people, and if anybody's listening in that's not a believer, it's simply this, you know, all life is energy. You know, whether mm -hmm. it's biological or innate or inanimate, I should say, everything has an energy. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of equate myself as a ball of energy. And, you know, where did that come from? I mean, that just doesn't come out, you know, from the thin air. That's, that's in essence, a part of, of the metaphysical realm that we don't quite understand. But when you think about it in basic terms, we're energy. Where does that come from? Well, I had ancestors. They kind mm -hmm. of came from somewhere. But what's interesting, too, to how those, you know, people that are hard to, you know, imagine things, you know, we also have DNA. And mm -hmm. as, as a scientist, we only know about 3% of what that DNA does for us, which means that 97% of our DNA, we're not clear. And so I, if we want to relate to our past, I mean, we're carrying bits of information from our ancestors in real time, in physical time. So it only makes sense that we're also carrying some stuff from the past. And I'm just going to wrap it up by saying this. Being a scientist, I do like to, you know, have things proven to me. I have to experience things. And so I've done one of these master courses in energy work, energy healing. And my first experience with a past life was, it ain't going to happen for me. I'm not going to do this. It's not going to work. And I was very resistant and I actually really experienced one. And so for me, that meant if we can allow ourselves to be open to remember things or imagine things, then that's also that gateway to the work that you do if you're doing it on your own. I mean, would you agree? Totally. Absolutely. 
I actually come from a family of doctors, all the men in my family, and I, I came from a medical background myself. And so I, and I was a skeptic. So if you're feeling a little skepticism out there, I get you, I hear you, I came from that. It was only because I had so many personal experiences myself, that's what changed me, you know? But I, I do wanna say one thing, and I have to, to recognize yeah. and compliment you uh, on this, because I think one of the challenges that skeptics also have Mm -hmm. And and I'm kind of figuring out my form of how to um, identify the authenticity of one person versus the other because it's very important for me, mm -hmm. uh, is the fact that as you are embracing this, you've also done a ton of work. You've done a ton mm -hmm. of personal work, personal development. You've, you've gotten stuck. You've hated perhaps or disliked where you were and everything else, the challenges, and you, you, cha you, you face them head on. And so there's so much credibility in everything that you say. Just the vibration of your speech and your presence allows me to say, hey, I believe everything she says. And for those skeptics, yeah, there's a lot of people out there that are kind of running away from their own reality, creating yeah. a delusional reality that's tapping into all this psychic mumbo jumbo, if you will. You don't want to listen to them. They're, they are going through their own journey. We gotta respect them for that. But when you meet somebody like Shara, I mean she is the real deal. Hmm. So skepticism is a vibration that just kind of blocks you. It basically puts your a door between you and either um, the information you want or a person you want to connect with. People who are skeptics have a, a lot of, a, I'm just looking at this, like a darker mass in their frontal cortex because there's more neuronal activity happening there. And that really is, we call it your analyzer. This is taking you out of your body, out of your heart. And it's actually, it's, it, it is a big block on disconnection. So it is definitely harder to read people who have skepticism. So I believe at the root, we are, most of us really want to be free. We want to be, uh, uh, it's sort of like a, a balance between um, giving or receiving and allowing information to come through us and to like send it out. So a lot of the reason I'm also sort of a manifestation coach, not sort of, I am a manifestation coach. A lot of the reason why we're not manifesting what we want is because we're leaning too far in, you know, like reaching for it. Now, skepticism is a vibration that's kind of like too far out. It's like, bring it to me, you know? And so when we're balanced, then that's when we could be at our highest vibration for actually being that. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> actually, you know what? I have to be funny because Robin was telling me that our show last week was one of the best ones because we're goofing around. What, <laughs> what are your thoughts about all this, Robin? And I wish we could see Robin because yeah. She's a ghost. She's basically a ghost right now. Right. I'm the invisible woman, just with the voice. Well, you want to jump in with your comments, your thoughts? Well, you know, I we were talking about this before the show started, about the whole past life thing. And the weirdest thing that happened to me in my teenage years going into my 20s, I kept telling people that I had tried to commit suicide by slashing my arms with a razor blade but I don't have scars on my arms. And I could never figure out why I would say something like that. And then actually a couple of years ago, I did a past life regression. And that's how I died in my past life is what I found out. And that was extremely revealing to me because I repeated that cycle by basically hooking up in this lifetime with the same person that I killed myself because of in the last lifetime. And I figured the reason why I had to 
come back and repeat that cycle once again was to learn appropriately how not to, you know, deal with situations. You you don't kill yourself to get out of a situation. You walk out the door. And I just find it fascinating that things like that happen. Have you ever run into people who just tell you out of the blue something that's never happened to them in this lifetime, but they have some sort of recall? Mm-hmm. Well, it happens a lot when I'm reading a past life and they just get, sh- like, I, I've heard this, like, so many clients have said something like, I'm just having shivers now while you're telling me this because it's so resonant. You know, it's almost like they've lived through it before. I've had clients just like start crying on the spot as I'm saying these things. But the cool thing about the past life regression type of work is that this gives them an opportunity to gather their information. And every time, you know, when I had a session done on me, I was like, I'm not going to be able to, what if I don't find any past lives? And it seems pretty consistent that even if people are brand new to this kind of work or brand new to spirituality, they're always able to find a past life. And even if you can't find an actual past life, it doesn't matter because it's still in your field, whether you're seeing two turtles do something or, you know, whatever you're watching, it's something that's in your, your energetic field. And so it's something that's true for you. So it doesn't matter so much because we'll never know if this is actually your past life and it doesn't matter. That's kind of cool. So, so I have a question for you because, you know, um, sometimes, I mean, if I were to go to a psychiatrist, they'd probably come up with some clever, you know, uh, thought about this one. But, you know, sometimes you just get this crazy thought that you're going to do something really crazy. And, and, and it has no bearing on any, any kind of reality whatsoever. Um, is that also potentially related to the past? Sure. sure. Whatever you have more ignition for, like a feeling, a behavior, this is because of it's a combination of the way you are raised, the things your 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 uh, environment when you were raised, people who uh, informed you, your parents and your family members, and past lives and your ancestors. It's a combination. We're all an amalgamation of all of that. So tell us a little bit about the learning. What, what Robin was saying. Um, earlier about this process of learning you know what what, what's that all about why is it that you know we have to keep on learning these things because the lesson hasn't quite gotten through it's basically like life is just a schoolroom, and we're basically going through choosing the parents choosing the friends choosing to drive that car that caused you the car accident so we're choosing to have these experience we actually have a lot more choice and it's subconscious so we're not conscious of it but in order to get the lessons like a lot of people you'll hear who have had um uh, a, a diagnosis or an accident, you know, uh, even ones that were really extreme, life, um, almost life killing, they came back and they had, they, that's mostly where I hear that they really got the lesson that they were put onto this earth to learn. And then with that comes transformation. It could. I mean, lots of times people stay stuck. Like we all know the woman who is angry at the man because of the man who broke up with her or the man that was mean to her and she's never recovered. Okay. So when we have accidents or things that have the greatest impetus on our contraction in our body, that, that gives us the, the greatest leverage on either our forward evolution or staying stuck. And that's basically where the choice point is, how we're going to deal with it. Now, of course, mourning and sadness, there's nothing wrong with that. Anytime we have a hardship, it's not like you should just be happy and put on a smiling face. You want to go through the process no, no matter how long it takes 
to get to the other side to where you could look at it and see it from a new perspective and see and um and to the degree that you're able to learn the gifts that came from it like by gifts i mean anytime you have a hardship there's something that evolves us to the next level so to the degree we're able to look back and learn this is a like an acceptance model that i've learned to learn the gifts and the hardship then that will help us to move forward and then of course you know the way that you're able to relate that to different elements of life or experiences sure you know, us integrate that in such a fashion that it kind of yeah. sort of and yeah, there's a reason we're learning these lessons and that is so that we can impact the world in one way or another yeah you know and i think one thing that i really like what you said and and there's a big misconception about what's a hero and you know most people look at heroes as some guy with superpowers or girl with superpowers and you know killing off the the villains and all that and to a point that's true I mean, every every hero has a villain in life, and it's about that learning process. So whether it's karmic or not, which probably is, is they, they've overcome the challenge, they've defeated the villain. But the most important part, and as Joseph Campbell really you know, reminds us, is you know, we have to then you know, give something to the world. We have to give something to the community. We have to help others. We have to educate. So tell us a little bit so, about that process. I will. So we have all in many, many lives been perpetrators. We've all been victims and we've all been heroes, maybe even equal amount of times. Who knows? You have been that person killing somebody else on, on the killing field. You know, God knows every almost every generation there's been like war, or genocide, even a lot of generations. We have been that person. So when we look at the perpetrator in our life who's causing us to be the victim, just know that the victim, the perpetrator can't live without the victim vibration. Okay. So your work is basically to, and, and so your work is basically to alter this vibration. I used to be queen victim. I won the biggest victim in the class when I did this coaching program at the very start. And so I had to learn and grow and evolve those parts that made me the victim. And so I basically could start stop pointing my finger at the world and start to instead take responsibility. And it, this is very abstract concept by responsibility here. Um, responsibility doesn't mean like, uh, you know what, I don't even think I want to go too deep into this topic right now. Um, but what I want to talk about is um, the heroes. The heroes want to feel like um, maybe the heroes are attracted to the wounded birds. So the heroes can't exist without the people that need saving. So all the people that need saving, we'll see this a lot in love dynamics, you know? So if, if you come from a father that abused you, you're most likely to be with a partner that abuses you. And the pattern continues until we stop it. We're not ingrained. This is not our fate that's determined for us. We have the ability to stop it. However, because all of our cellular matrix is aligned towards that patterning, it's extremely, extremely hard to shift it. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting to think about this in, in those terms, you know, as, as a coach, when we talk about suffering, and that's something you, you relate to as well. And, um, you know, pain is inevitable. So as a co coach, more in a programmatic, real, you know, real-time sort of, you know, conversation, you know, pain is inevitable. It's going to happen. And what I like to say to people is that, look, you know, where you are in this very, very moment, it's your fault. 
And whether you're in an accident or not, it doesn't matter. The summation of all your, your decisions, experiences, emotions, and thoughts and beliefs have brought you to this moment right now. So whatever's happening in this moment, it's your fault. And if you don't like where you are right now, well, then you just have to simply make different decisions. And the whole idea of suffering, you know, that's a choice. And that's a decision that says, well, I'm incapable of making the right decision for myself. And, and my thoughts then, and I'd like to see your thinking as well, is, you know, that's perhaps a wonderful place to be because that can be very painful. And therefore, then the, the incentive, if you will, to start looking for answers. But my question for you then, you know, if, if ancestors and ancestors, if answers can be found in our ancestors, right, or other things, you know, why is that people just are not looking for that? For ancestor help? The answers, for the answers. You know, they're, they're suffering, they're in pain, they're suffering. You know, how is it that, in essence, we can begin to help people on a, on a, on a, a more effective way to say, look, you know, this is, this is in your journey. Um, it's up to you to get out of it. Okay. The first thing I want to say is there's nothing worse somebody who's suffering could hear than it's your fault. And pretty much even, you know, as much work as I've done, even hearing that, if somebody said that to me, I'd be like, shut up. Um, so people are not usually ready to own it right when they they're, they stub their foot on the wall. You know, they're not ready to be like, oh, it's my fault. Oh, yeah. I, you know. um, usually it takes, the only time it actually works like that is after the fact when they're no longer in the emotional trauma of it and then mm -hmm. looking back. <laughs> That's one thing I've learned from working with people. Okay. And then they could see the gifts in it and the moment. So, um, yeah, just as a qualifier, when I say that, I, I do say it with tongue in cheek, by the way. I totally get it. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, gosh, I don't even know where I want to go right now with this. Uh, I, I do actually. So, so, how do we help yeah. people to yeah. realize that there is a pathway? Number one, this is your journey, uh -huh. right? Not in, like you said, it's not entirely your fault, and it really isn't. And, and actually, I qualify that, too. It's, it's, I tell people, look, you know, we are victims of misconceptions. You know, yes. We are victims of the things that we learned, the misrepresentations of life. But when you reach a point where you can do something about it, mm -hmm. well, then that's your fault. <laughs> One thing I want to say about suffering is I don't think it's absolutely necessary in order to evolve. Like, you know, because mm -hmm. a lot of people who, like, you know, for me, example, who have evolved to the level I am, I had a lot of suffering, but people, there's ways to learn the lessons earlier, but unfortunately, well, did, you, did you have pain or did you suffer? There's a difference. Well, um, <laughs> just a hair of difference. I see it as the same. I had both. It was emotional pain and that caused suffering. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay, can I switch the topic just yeah. a little bit here? Okay, great, okay. This is your show. Awesome, okay. So let's just talk about suffering since we're on that topic right now, okay. So there's something that is a topic called um, suffering obligations of love. And this is something that every, have you heard of it? No. Nope. Okay, every child takes on in order to hold the burdens of their parents suffering or whoever the primary caregiver is. 
So for, it's the mother for a lot of people. And kids automatically make a contract with their mother that I won't, I, I'll hold your pain so that you don't have to suffer um, oh, wow. anymore. Yeah, this is going on completely in the subconscious. Another uh, a law that happens is they, they make the contract not to ever get ahead, not to ever have a better life than you will. So basically, a child comes in and subconsciously just absorbs all of their parents' stuff. Um, you know, I learned about this, so I just want to tell you, I had my baby one month before my 47th birthday. So wow, congrats. One, one and a half years old now. She waited for a long time because, and I knew it because I kept, we were trying for a while to have this child. And I was like, this kid does not, this kid wants to like just coast and do her evolution work. She doesn't want to deal with all the healing and stuff. And so I would go into meditation. I'd be like, oh yeah, this one needs to be healed. This one needs to be healed. And it was like the moment I healed the last big one that she basically came right after that. I got pregnant. So (laughs) um, anyways, so to the degree that there's dysfunction, a baby will take it on and be like, I'm going to hold this dysfunction and be a mirror of that in order to get closer to you. Okay. So all people want to belong. And the number one community that you want to belong into is your family. Right. Whether your dad is gone or he's dead, we still want to belong into that family. You know, people's energies, whether they're alive or dead, are still present and there still works and Megan works in the pattern with um, how your behavior is. You'll I, you'll hear so many stories about babies that are born without a certain parent, and they'll still inherit so many of the emotional, physiological patterns as that parent that's not even there. Okay, so we have this obligation to fit into our family structure, our family system. This work was developed by a psychologist named Bert Hellinger, a German psychologist. This is where the term family constellation works, which I am just so passionate about because anytime you have a pattern that doesn't make sense, whether it's a medical pattern, headaches, throat stuff, do a family constellation. I highly recommend it because this is where you go back and heal the lineage. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But what I want to finish the topic I'm talking about is our need to belong. Okay. We'll mirror and mimic the conscious and unconscious beliefs the emotional and physiological traits of our parents in order to fit into our family of origin. So that means if you're born into a family of thieves, you'll want to be a thief yourself in order to belong. If you belong into, if you fit into, if you're born into a family that believes um, money doesn't grow in trees and um, life is such a burden and very depressive kind of thoughts, you'll automatically pick that up because you want to fit in and you want to run that course. So we're already set up to be like our parents, hold all their suffering, and that's kind of like that plateau of which we'll ever be. Now, this new gen, this generation right now that we're in is like taking a whole step up. It has to do with the um, uh, the, the, the technology industry and all the um, uh, the, the um, uh, people who are trying to create jobs, um, entrepreneurs that we have a new thinking mentality. And I believe that this is breaking the patterns of the morphic resonance that goes on with people right when they're born. Babies come into this world holding the suffering, but when we get to a certain level of independence, like after college even, that we're sort of taking the big leap to break beyond those limitations. And I believe we're trying to excel beyond those limitations because we're thinking, I don't want you to hold the burden any longer, mom and dad and an uncle, grandma and grandpa. I want to set the family free. And it's interesting because I've seen this a lot in 
certain cultures like Indian and Chinese cultures more than anything like the Taiwanese, the uh, Chinese, extremely, you know, I, I haven't done any Cambodian readings, but I'm guessing, you know, extremely depressive uh, uh, beliefs about this is as far as you could succeed and you can't succeed anymore. And so there's this kind of tug of war that's going on in a lot of people where they believe that, but they also feel the light that's pulling them forward. This is actually my impetus for creating, a, I'm doing a five month intuitive program, which is basically to help people find their inner light and help them to be, step into their greatest purpose and um, help them to develop themselves as a coach, if they're a coach or whatever it is. But it's to help to break those patterns and to step into a higher light and a higher faith. So as you talked about, that's yeah. fascinating is this whole concept of obligations. And, yeah. and I can totally see that. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, and, and relating to my own self and you know my parents and, and my kids, I'm thinking, whoa, this is yeah. I never thought of it that way. But I have a question for you as you're thinking, and I'm always that person that kind of thinks out of the box. Yeah. Well, I don't have a box, by the way. So, so we know that life is very cyclical. I mean, there's uh -huh. so many different cycles within our phys physiology and outside. Yes. And so my question is, you said something very, very interesting, and particularly this generation is getting those breakthroughs. And so I can only imagine, you know, over time, you know, we're probably going through a similar cycle today that we did many, you know, eons ago. Would that have anything to do with basically the changes of the electromagnetic fields on totally. Earth? Morphic field around yeah. us. Yes. I love that you said that. Okay. So let's get onto some other big topics here. So we're an amalgamation of bits and pieces of all of our answers that came before us. Like maybe your ears are like your grandmother, your uh, anxiety is from your aunt and her generation. And this, and this defines 100% of our genetic encoding that we entered into this world with. But however, there's determinism and versus free will. So we have free will to change our cards. Right. It's super, okay, so one point that I want to like just underline is it's absolutely crucial that we start to take the steps to evolve our DNA, to evolve our cellular level of who we are in order to affect who we pass it on to our future generations. Now, even if you don't have children, because we live in a, a morphic resonance, which is how it's like a collective conscious field that we're all in. So what I believe and what you believe, all of a sudden other people might start to believe. Mm -hmm. oh, right? And so as we heal ourselves and heal our, our DNA, we'll heal like all the, um, the network of uh, energies around us. Now, also going upstream all the way to previous generations, we could heal past generations, which then heals our present and the future as well. Now, most of what's true and real for us is in our memory and in our thoughts anyways. So all, you don't have to like, you know, scientific evidence for me is less important because you don't have to actually, there's no way to have any evidence of changing the past. It's only changing it in your mind. And when you change it in your mind, something happens at a physiological level. Like I see it in clients all the time they'll come in with an ache or a pain and then we'll do this kind of work. And all of a sudden their spine will get more erect. They'll be taller and their, their gait will be straighter. Things like that. It's so powerful. You know, it's, it's interesting too. And, and I, I like what you said, because basically what you're also saying that um, if we just stop to think of this, if we just 
stop to be uh, aware of this. Um, hold on a second. I got my phone is going off. You know, and not to get into the depths of, of um, suffering, but I'm thinking, look, people like yourself, if this is the path that somebody wants to connect to make changes and evolve in their life, basically you're giving people the idea of hope. Hope because you can change, you can make a difference. It really doesn't matter so much how you go about that, whether you get a coach, you know, whether you choose to be in pain for a long time before you make the transformation, or find people like yourself, because you have that ability to change. And there's nothing more true than that in the world, in, in the physiological or physical world. And I just want to share something with you mm -hmm. as I am able to relate the scientific parts of people is simply this that we've all know, we all know that we're built as cells. Mm -hmm. And we have like 70 trillion cells within us. Each mm -hmm. cell has a nucleus. The purpose of the cell is to live, to survive. And it does that with a lot of different functions. Mm -hmm. uh, the thinking was always, well, I take out that brain, that nucleus out of the cell, the cell's gonna die. Well, that's true, except if you take that cell and you put it in a dish and you take that nucleus out, if you feed it all the nutrients it needs, and remove all the toxins, right? It can survive forever. So what does that mean? It responds to the environment. What's the most important environment that our cells are within? It's our thoughts. And so there you go with your statement says you can change your DNA. And I think it's it's relevant and, and it's the DNA of our ancestors that were given to us and we can change all that. So giving that a scientific basis perhaps is helpful, but mm -hmm. not, it doesn't have to be because the work that you do to help people do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the best way is just to experience it for people to believe it really. But I love that explanation. Thank you so much. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit more about the family systems. Um, mm -hmm. And this can't be the answer to a lot of people's questions about why they have some malady or some pattern that doesn't really make sense. Uh, there is what's called a soul of a family. So everybody in the family is a system. Anytime somebody's pushed out of the field, such as abortion or such as, uh, uh, I, I just did a, um, a, a, a constellation where uh, somebody stole from the stole the family inheritance and so he was pushed out or gay like in previous generations that wasn't accepted or you know for any reason the person's, person's pushed out or they die early or something really strange happens it creates a kind of a knot in the family soul we call it entanglements okay so anytime that happens uh there is some sort of suffering and it, what happens is everybody kind of hush hush quiets it down however uh this goes into the genetic coding, the genetic lineage, whether you're the perpetrator or the victim in the situation, you know, and it doesn't, not everybody born gets all of the genetic matrix. They get some, and sometimes it skips generations. And so, you know, you might have a pattern. And then when you start to do this past life and systems work, you'll be like, oh, I see where all the shame came from and all of that. And then with a greater understanding, uh, with the family systems work, what you do is you actually give it back, 
because anything that came from previous generations is theirs. And we have to understand that we, it was our choice to take it on and it's our choice to give it back and to not take it on. That is tremendous healing right there. That is powerful work. Yeah, I, I love that. And, and to think about it this way, and, and again, you know, my thoughts go in this manner. It's interesting how often we do more for others than we do for ourselves. Hmm. And so maybe this should be an incentive, you know, to be doing the right things, because if you're not, that's going to be you know, incorporating your DNA and you're giving it to your offspring. Well, exactly. Um, another reason why I just thought of this is, um, you know, throughout the generations, look at look at history. If you know anything about history, it's all sinners, you know, very religious persecution and wars. I mean, most of every... Right decade that you look at, there is that going on and that going on in the programming. And so there is this tension going on around a person who they are and they were who they were supposed to be rather than, you know, free will that was never allowed. And so this is probably our parents' generation is the first generation that was ever allowed. And so because of that, we are all sinners. And so, you know, there's repentance. And so here we come and we're trying to kind of redeem ourselves from probably all the sins that we've created in the past and all of that. And we're trying to, another very important um, aspect is to have, be gentle on yourself, have compassion on yourself because you are only human and humans have suffering and we have, we, we all make mistakes. And another thing I want to, another point I want to make is we all have about five limiting beliefs that we inherited. We, when we were born we, in utero, we inherited them, but we've been carrying them with our life and they still play out. They just play out in more mature situations right now. What are those beliefs? Well, like I'm not good enough. I'm on the outside. I'm unlovable. Nobody wants to be with me. Something's wrong with me. I mean, there's, there's maybe like really only like eight basic ones. And then under that comes different flavors of each one. So when I'm working with people intuitively, I want to go really deep into the flavor, you know, because the flavor of me being on the outside versus your belief of being on the outside, it's a very different flavor. And so the way you need to actually heal it and also the root of it is very different. And I'm sure our karmic patterns are very different. We could talk about this offline. I could go into that space and we could talk about it. I love doing that stuff. You know, and I, and I think to help people, and I le- love what you said, you know, you have to have compassion for yourself. And, you know, what I've learned over time and what I typically tell people, just give yourself permission to be human. And, and I hate this term on, you know, you're perfectly imperfect. Well, no, yes, you're imperfect, done. But that's who you are. What you're going to want to do is not delude yourself that that's perfect. No, because it's not. And it's your opportunity to, to make the changes. But here's what's interesting, and in my evolution, what I love is I'm, I'm listening to other, you know, what I call professionals. You know, they're not experts, they're professionals. They're the people that are doing the work like you, seriously committed to finding the truth that's true for them. And as you said, you know, everybody has that different flavor. But here's what's interesting. If we go back to, you know, the ancestors or ancestral language, if you will, the Greeks, um, sin what it actually means, it really means missing the mark. So if you have a target, you know, you got your arrow that you're going for the target, this just means that you missed it. Mm-hmm. And so I like this, this, this uh, reference, and I, use, I like to use the term psychic references so that we can help our psychic understand and relate to things. And actually comes from um, a great uh, philosopher, modern philosopher by the name Brian Johnson. And it's about um, looking to be your best. 
and everything is an experiment. And so when you mess it up, when you do something bad, like stealing, for example, guess what? You just missed the mark. And so it's a matter of, okay, what can you now do differently? And again, having that relationship with your ancestors, your intuition, people like you, really helps us understand and appreciate, yes, be compassionate, yes, I can change. Well, people really are doing the best that they can do, the best that they can be. You know, even that person yeah. that steals, you know, if you look at his history, you know, like, you know, there's got to be a lot of motives to make him perform that action. Yeah. <clears throat> and let me add to that, and that's that's the um, one of the rules or paradigms of neurolinguistic programming, mm -hmm. which I know you're familiar with, mm -hmm. is that we all do the best we can with the resources that we have. And so for anybody who's really upset with somebody who really, you know, messed their lives uh, or messed their lives, um, you know, this whole act of forgiveness, I think there's a whole misunderstanding about what that needs to be. You're obliged to forgive. That's the good thing. Well, BS, you know, this person hurt me. But understanding that they did the best they could with the resources mm -hmm. that they have, forgiveness is really about for you. This is my opinion, by the way. Mm -hmm. You know, forgiving yourself, be caught in that place to feel bad, get hurt, have suffering, whatever, like you said, you know, giving yourself permission to be human. Well, the thing about forgiveness is people are unable to forgive before it's time. So there's no, mm. it doesn't make sense to say, just forgive them. Okay. Mm -hmm. A person, uh, his heart is going to hurt and they're going to have the anger and forget. so they've got to want to get to that point. You know, it's an evolutionary process. Now, a lot of where their anger and all that stuff could be other you know, yes. patterns in their life. And so maybe that's where some of the healing needs to come. Their anger at their father or in the, you know, and that's then projected onto this incident. The thing about, uh, the other thing about forgiveness that I want to say is um, you're the one that's hurting. So when again, where a person really is ready to forgive the person, they're able to get to the perspective that you mentioned where they see that the person's human and doing the best that they can, but also that they're ready to stop suffering. <laughs> and that's really a choice point. It's a really turning point. The other thing I want to say is to expect people to be who they are. I hear this all the time, like when my friends are talking about, he did this, she did this. And I'm like, you know, if you just look at the patterns of that person, people really are pretty consistent with who they're going to be. I get mad at my husband a lot, but you know, really, I don't, I really shouldn't because he's got, you know, patterns. We've all got patterns. And you're not going to change the stripes on a zero. Um, so <laughs> yeah. Before we uh, continue the last next thing, I want to say one thing and then I want to ask Robin something okay. before we talk about your program that's coming up. We have about four minutes left. Um, but Byron Katie, I think, says it really well. And basically it's this, any pain or suffering that you have, all that is, it's just, it's just a signal telling you you've got your work to do. Robin, do you want to share anything? Wow. You know, I would agree with that because um, I actually repeated the same cycle in my younger years because of watching my mom go through things when she was married to my, or she's still married to my dad. But growing up, you know, that whole cycle repeated and I made the same mistakes she did because I took on those burdens. And I had to learn how to not repeat that cycle. And it, it's not one of the easiest things to do, especially when you're in an abusive situation, but you tend to draw, like she was talking about earlier, you tend to draw those situations to you because that's what you're used to seeing. It is a learning process that you have to go back and unlearn. Exactly. Yep. 
And, and now that you mentioned that, I relate to that too. And, um, you know, I love my parents. They're great parents, great human beings. But there's some things I didn't like. And I promised myself I wasn't going to do this, this, and this. And then I found myself doing those patterns after all. Yeah. Not terrible ones, but the ones that didn't, were not, and as you put it, say, as you put it, really in alignment. I know you got a great program coming up. You want to share that with us? Sure. Uh, well, my bigger program, which I haven't really spoken to you about, is I'm doing a five-month intuitive program. Oh, yeah, I did mention that. Sorry. Um, anyways, that's on my website, sharaogan.com. But I'm actually teaching a Healing the Ancestors workshop in November 15th. And actually, you came to that class before. How was that experience for you? It was amazing. And, and again, because, you know, the authority that you possess and the authenticity and that vibration that you help us connect with that reality that sometimes is difficult to tap into for most of us because we're just not familiar with us, familiar with that really helps. And, and quite frankly, there was a lot of healing in that process. Um, I, can't, I can't remember exactly what it was before, but it, it really resonated 100% and it felt really good afterwards. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you. So that's healing um, ancestral DNA. And I also am doing free weekly healings for a period of time. So if you uh, go onto my website, sharaogan.com, and you have the specific links, then you'll see the schedule of the free healings. Excellent. So once again, please repeat to us how they get hold of you, a Facebook website. Yeah. So you could look under my name, which is, which is also my website which is also my email. It's Shara, S-H-A-R-A, Ogin, O-G-I-N.com or at gmail.com. Great. Awesome. So really excited to be talking to you today and want to give you the last word before I sign off. Okay. Well, one point that I wanted to make with the reason why I said that we have five or so limiting beliefs is because we also have, um, certain karmic patterns, let's say patterns that we're attracted to, whether we repulse people or just the way that the, that Robin, the example you gave was a pretty good one about how certain things, certain patterns, like it's basically the law of attraction concept that what we're putting out comes back to us. So it's super crucial, important that we change certain patterns that aren't serving us at a cellular level so that we could break the bonds of the diseases that we're attracting, break the bonds of the anger, the illnesses, the unhappiness, and we could be our highest and fullest self and step out and change our physiological patterns so we could wake up with a pep in our step and live the life that we want. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being the best version of yourself. And, and this is the journey that so many great philosophers and great people have demonstrated over the years. And so what we're talking about today is nothing new. It's been around for thousands and thousands of years. It's just brought into you in a new, different way with this new generation. Shara, I really want to thank you for today. It was absolutely enlightening, uh, healing, and I'm excited for people to actually connect with you. And um, thank you so much, Robin, for your insights. They were beautiful. And I'm Dr. Bart Rademacher, prescription for your transformation, your people, real conversation, real success, tapping into your authentic genius so that you can live the life that you desire. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. 
Join Dr. Bart Rademacher live right here on StarWorldWideNetworks.com or on demand 24-7.